This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Thinking and Doing. In this podcast, I examine logical fallacies, cognitive biases, stoic teachings from masters past and present, and tips on being better at life. I hope it will be as instructive to you as it is to me in the pursuit of thinking and doing well. Be sure to check out and subscribe to my flagship podcast, Everything Voluntary, where I seek to promote respect for the voluntary principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. Hello and welcome to the podcast. In this episode, we're going to look at some stoic teachings. We'll start with the October 3rd entry in the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday and Stephen Hanselman. And then we're going to look at a weekly exercise for from stoicismforabetterlife.com as it was shared in the Stoicism subreddit. But I'll link to, I'll I'll tell you a bit about the person who made this um, when we get to that part. All right, so this entry for October 3rd starts with a quote out of Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. He writes, Meditate often on the interconnectedness and mutual interdependence of all things in the universe. For in a sense, all things are mutually woven together and therefore have an affinity for each other. For one thing follows after another according to their tension of movement, their sympathetic stirrings, and the unity of all substance. All right, now that's that's kind of interesting that what what was, I guess, wisdom or thought from so long ago, thousands of years? Well, maybe not thousands. When did Marcus Aurelius live? Oh, okay. Just a couple thousand. 161 to 180 is when he ruled. AD, looks like. Anyway, um, of course, he was drawing on uh, earlier masters from thousands of years ago. Uh, but just this idea, this this very modern scientific idea that so much is connected and so much is dependent when you think of things like ecology, right? And you get rid of a species in one area, and then all of a sudden things start to go wrong uh, that you didn't realize had a had a some sort of a connection or an interdependency on that species that's now that species that's now gone, right? Or you can go from ecology to economy, right? And you pass a law or a policy that sets a price uh, ceiling or a price floor, and then you have all of these effects outside that were unintended. Unintended consequences is the term that economists use in other parts of the economy that are now affected by this that you didn't you didn't realize were again because of interconnections and interdependencies. Um, it's just it's just interesting, I think. And then of course there's human relationships. Right. How many degrees away are you from Kevin Bacon? Right. That's that's the idea, right? Six degrees of Kevin Bacon or two Kevin Bacon. Like like here's 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 a here's a four degrees. No, no. I'm gonna say here's five degrees from me to I'll say George Bush and Barack Obama. I know a guy, his name is Connor. He knows um his name is Connor Boyack. 
he runs a libertarian institute here in Salt in uh, Utah. He's friends with um, a, a libertarian podcast host named Tom Woods. Tom Woods knows former U.S. Congressman Ron Paul, and as a U.S. Congressman, he had dealings with both uh, George Bush and earlier presidents, of course, as well as Barack Obama. I'm sure their their paths crossed. Anyway, so let's let's see what the uh, editors say about this. They write Anne Lamott once observed that all writers are little rivers running into one lake, all contributing to the same big project. The same is true in many industries, though sadly, even inside the same company, people selfishly forget they're working together. As human beings, we all, as human beings, we all breathe the atoms that made up our ancestors and flow into the same earth when we die. Over and over again, the Stoics reminded themselves of the interconnectedness of life. Perhaps that was because life in Greece and Rome was particularly harsh. Animals and people were slaughtered senselessly to amuse the masses in the Colosseum, events which were lamented in the Stoic writings. Countries were conquered and its citizens sold into slavery to expand the empire, the futility of which the Stoics also lamented. This kind of cruelty is possible only when we forget how we're related to our fellow human beings and the environment. Today, take a moment to remember that we are all we are woven together and that each of us plays a role, good, bad, or ugly, in this world. When I think about my day-to-day, my, my daily grind, I have interactions with a lot of different people. And I do things that have an effect on different people, right? The, the, the closest to me would be my, my wife and my children, right? If I'm in a sour mood or something, that can have an immediate effect on the spirit of our home and subsequently how they uh, end up treating each other, right? When there's a sourness that can be infectious. <laughs> uh, when I go out into the world, I'm, for my job, I'm uh, picking up food and I'm interacting with restaurant staff and how I interact with them can make their day or negatively affect their day, positively affect their day or negatively affect their day. And anybody else I, I happen to come across. I leave the restaurant, I get in my car, how I drive on the road, if I'm courteous and predictable, or if I'm chaotic and unpredictable and rude, can likewise affect other people in positive and negative ways. When I reach my destination, and the kind of care I take in bringing the food to the customer who ordered it, leaving it at a safe spot on their porch, and then making sure they know that it's there, by my texting and taking a photo and sending it to them and ringing their doorbell and knocking on their door and then waiting at my car to see that they've opened the door and they've accepted the food and waving to them and saying, you know, them saying thanks and me saying, thank you, have a good day. That is now setting them up to either enjoy the food or, you know, now something's bothered them about that and now they're kind of in a sour mood and they don't enjoy the food as much and they feel, they feel maybe foolish for spending so much in tip and delivery fees and everything else that they had to spend on top of the food that they're less likely to order again in the future, yada, yada, yada. You know, it can have a snowball effect. So as I go, as I wake up and I go about my day, what I do can have an effect on a lot of other people. It can be good, bad, or ugly, right? I like the end. Take a moment to remember that we are woven together and that each of us plays a role in this world, good, bad, or ugly. What role are you choosing to play? You can't always be the good guy. Sometimes 
you've got to be the bad guy. I get that. Sometimes you've got to disappoint somebody because they're hoping for one thing and it's just not so and you've got to give the bad news or whatever it is or they're hoping to get something from you that you can't give. So you might play the bad role, but that doesn't mean you're playing the ugly role. You're not trying to cause pain and hurt other people. You, that's also what some people do, unfortunately. So I like that. Just recognize that we're all interconnected and we're all in many different ways dependent, mutually dependent. I'm dependent on a lot of people. And this, this is, this is kind of going back to where I started this, um, talking about economics, right? I mean, the, the, all of the goods that I have on my desk right now that I'm looking at in my office, in my house, I couldn't make any of this stuff. I couldn't make any of this stuff. I don't know how any of it is made. The monitor, the laptop, the mouse, even this cup in my hand. I have no idea how this is made, yet I'm enjoying it right now. It's got water in it. I don't know how it got here. All I know is I opened the faucet and it came out, right? I couldn't build, I couldn't build the system that got it here. I don't know how that's made. I could get a bird's eye view, right, of these are the pipes and it comes from this place over here and, but how the pipes are made and how, you know, all the connecting fasteners and how they're made and how the equipment's made to make them and yada, 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 right? Nobody knows any of that. We're all mutually interdependent in economic life for that reason. All right, let's go on to the second part of this. This is an entry that this guy seems to make weekly in the Stoicism subreddit. So I thought, let me follow this user. And I found his website and it's stoicismforabetterlife.com. And it turns out this guy's got weekly exercises. He's got books and he's got a podcast. His name is Anderson Silver. So if you're into Stoicism and you've maybe browsed for Stoic books and podcasts, maybe you've come across this guy, but I, I had not. So I just discovered this resource. So I'll li- I'll link to this. Um, what is this? He's got a link that says "Let's Talk." Let me see what that is. Oh, this is how you sign up for his uh, newsletter and whatnot. You can also send him a message. So he's got books. His books look kind of cool. There, um, the first volume is uh, "Your User's Manual: A Guide for Purpose and an Anxiety-Free Life in the 21st Century." A second book says "Your Duality Within: A Study of Your Two Distinct and Opposing in- Internal." Voices. Volume three, your dichotomy of control. Learn to control your world for a happy, anxiety-free life. So those look like pretty interesting books. I'll have to add those to my Amazon list. Anyway, I'll link to that website. And like I said, it's got he's got a podcast. He's got these weekly exercises. You can sign up for the newsletter. Um, and he, anyway, he posts these he posts these weekly exercises. It looks like to the Stoicism subreddit. So that's how I found this. So I'm just going to go through this one. This is his entry for a few weeks ago, December second. He says, hello there. For this week's exercise, let's look at Marcus Aurelius's wise words from his meditation uh, 5.7, who wrote, quote, efface the opinion, I am harmed, and at once the feeling of being harmed disappears. Efface the feeling and the harm disappears at once. So I need to look up what efface means. (laughs) Um, Erase, to rub or wipe out, to remove or make distinct. Okay, all right. Um, so he goes on, an oldie but a goodie. We're going right back into the core of stoicism with this one. All is opinion. There is no good or bad as far as externals are concerned, but thinking it makes it so. No one, no event, nothing can go inside your squishy bits you call your brain and make you think something is good or bad. 
The decision and final judgment is ultimately up to you. It always has been and always will be. That's something to think about. That's really something to think about because you you hear about things, right? You hear about news in the world, right? You hear about news in somebody you know's life or even all of a sudden news in your own life, seemingly out of nowhere sometimes. And these things just are, right? They don't they don't by themselves intrinsically mean anything. We assign meaning to them. Can okay? we have some control over that? Right? Whatever it is, it may surprise us and we'll have our initial reaction to it, right? Our initial feelings about it based on our own values and preferences, which, you know, those are flexible. We change those throughout life. But then we can also slow down and before we make any rash decisions, we can think about it, get more information about it, reassign the meaning we place on it, and then decide what we're going to do about it. All right, so he goes on. This is why two different people from different walks of life can look at the same thing, say a 2008 Toyota Corolla, and think two different things. Here's the first person. What a piece of junk. I mean, it works, but all my friends are driving shiny new cars. This is something a grandmother would drive. I hate it. Here's the second person. Sweet. I have a car. It works perfectly and I have heat in the winter, air conditioning in the summer, and I can leave leave at my own schedule without waiting for the bus. I love it. All right, before I read his commentary on that, this is a fantastic example. My first car, this would have been in 2000. I was 16. It was a 1993 teal, teal green Mercury Tracer, four-door, stick shift. And that car was fun. It wasn't fast, but, you know, I had learned to drive stick shift, my my friend and his newer Honda Accord that his, his dad let him use. It was his dad's car. Um, he taught me to drive and we totally went through that clutch. <laughs> I don't know if his dad ever realized that. I'm the one who's, who burned his clutch up learning to drive stick shift. My friend learned how to drive stick shift really easily, but it was it was much more of a challenge for me. But I mastered it and I became a grandmaster of it. Anyway, so, you know, I'm driving that around and um, one time there's like a dirt road and kind of a dirt area and we just, I don't know why, we just decided to just go off road with it and we were flying around and it was so fun. It seemed to get faster and get, um, it seemed to be faster and it seemed to be handled better when you're not on solid asphalt, (laughs) Right. When you're on dirt and things kind of shift around and you're flying around, it just it just felt like a different car. Felt like a rally car, right? I love that thing. Like at first, so at the time my dad worked at a dealership and he was selling cars. And he just had you know, he just kept his eye open for cheap, cheap cars that were traded in that, that I could purchase. And he told me about this one and I said, Okay, I'll I'll come over as soon as possible, you know, after school or whatever. And I came over and he showed me and he was telling me about it. And it was super cheap. It's like 500 bucks. And I just, I don't know. I just, the thought on my mind was, I just remember thinking, I'm going to convince myself that this is awesome, right? It wasn't like, I was I didn't have the reaction of the first guy here. What a piece of junk. It works, but it's old and ugly. Mine was, oh, this is cool. I can't wait to clean this out and clean it up. I'm going to get some new hubcaps for it because these hubcaps, these hubcats are these hubcaps are broken and they're trash. I'm gonna put some new ones on there. It was fantastic. All right, let me go on with with his commentary. It's all a matter of perspective 
and you have a choice over that perspective. So as a practical exercise this week, when you feel harmed or are upset, identify the opinion, then remove it. It really is that simple. Nothing in the universe is telling you to feel upset over the issue, and there are most certainly positives in it as well. You're just not looking for them. We tend to focus only on the negatives and compare our reality to a better and non-existent one. So when you are upset, just take a step back and remind yourself, you are the one making yourself upset, not the thing. And if you want freedom from this opinion, it is entirely in your power to do so. Okay, that's the end of that. I had a couple more thoughts. A few weeks ago, my, I don't know if I mentioned it on this podcast. I think I did. Uh, My maternal grandmother, my last grandparent, she was 86. She passed away. Um, She got coronavirus, which is going around this year, but it didn't, it didn't have um, a lot of negative effects on her, it just lowered her oxygen levels. It wasn't like a painful thing for her. She didn't have a lot of outward symptoms, but it lowered her oxygen level enough that she decided to let go. I think that's my opinion. I think because she had been looking for a way out for a while. And I think this gave her, gave her her way out. I think she recognized that and she gave up the ghost. And, you know, on the one hand, it's sad, right? Because I can no longer look her in the eye and say, I love you and hug her and kiss her on the lips, which we did. But she's also no longer suffering. She had been torn from her house. She'd been put in a, in a home that she hated. She had had dementia the last few years. She'd, every time we'd visit, she'd talk, you know, tell us that she's going to go home, back home soon. It was always on her mind. She absolutely hated that they, they pulled her out of her house. And prior to that, she hated that she was still alive. <laughs> so, you know, on the one hand, it's sad. But the big takeaway for me was just how great it is, how great it was that she is now released from the burden that was living for her. And I don't know if she had a spirit or a soul and it's still there. And one day my spirit or my soul will reconnect with her. That's a nice thought. It's nice to think that that's a possibility. Maybe it is. I don't know. But maybe it isn't. Maybe her story ended. But the story's still there. We took a lot of photos. We took a lot of videos. We had a lot of meeting meetings. Uh, meetings. We had a lot of visits with her. My kids had a lot of visits with her. They knew her. They will have memories of her, and we'll all carry that the rest of our lives to the to the end of our stories. So I wasn't I wasn't devastated. I didn't take the event, take the news, and fall to pieces. I took the news and I thought this is good. This is a good thing. And, you know, most of my family, my wife and my kids mostly took it that way as well. I mean, we had our tears, but we smiled at the end. And we thought, we're so grateful that we had the time we did with her, that we visited her as often as we did, that we got to know her. And we got got some furniture from her that we'll have in our house that will remind us. And we have some heirlooms from my other grandparents that will remind us. I named my daughters after my grandmothers. Uh, my second daughter is Leanne Rose. Rose comes from Rosemary. It was my grandmother's name. My, my third daughter, my, or my second daughter, my third child, is Marion Vanay. My grandma's name was Vanay. Extremely rare name. Not common at all. So that's, that's, that's one 
that's one um, event that happened recently that required the assignment of meaning to it. And then we had a, a second event, similar. My daughter, Rosie, she bought a hamster about four months ago. His name was Frank. She loved Frank. She took care of him. He had a nice big cage, really big. It was a big bin that we bought at Target. And we poked, you know, we drilled holes in it. She filled it up. It was three times, four times the size of what you'd buy for a hamster at the pet store. He was well fed. She played with him all the time. She'd always bring him into my office when I'm watching YouTube or whatever. She'd stick him on my desk and he'd run around my desk getting into the dark places, you know. I even took some photos and I shared them on Reddit. And the other morning, about a week ago now, I noticed that his his cage handles that, that closed the lid were open. And they were open because my youngest daughter had been trying to tie like a little snowman inside the holes for him to look at. And she had gotten in there. Anyway, so I thought, well, let's make sure he's in here because he's he's gotten out before. And he ran around the house for 24 hours until he climbed on my wife early, early, early one morning, like 3 a.m. And she thought it was a mouse or something. We realized it was just Frank. That was a fun moment. Um, anyway, so I pulled the lid off and Rosie starts digging around for him because he always burrows himself underneath all the stuff. And immediately she stands back and screams. And I look at her and I say, what? And she says, look. And I look and I see his fur and I touch it and it's cold. And I just said, I'm sorry, Rosie, he's dead. And she falls to pieces. She falls to pieces. And she, you know, she bangs on my, my son's door and tells him and he falls to pieces. And my wife's holding her and just trying to comfort her and hold her while she's experiencing all these emotions that they don't really have a lot of experience with, right? The reaction to that was not the same reaction we had for my grandma. It was very different, very different reaction. Grandma was sad, but ultimately happy. This was devastating. And it was, it was devastating for, you know, a few hours. You know, I, I eventually got my son to open his door and he was so upset and he was banging his desk and whatever. And I held him for a bit. Then, you know, my daughter and we, eventually we talked about doing a funeral the next day and we got a box and I, he, he looked, I took a photo of it and everything. He looked so peaceful, uh, like he was asleep put him in the box, we put him in the freezer overnight, and the next day we we buried him. And I gave I gave Rosie the choice. I said, "Do we want to bury him in the box or do we want to bury him just in the dirt so that he can't be absorbed back into the earth and his body can provide food and nourishment to microorganisms and other things and and just decay as things do." And she liked that idea. So that's what we did. We pulled him out of the box. We, you know, went about, I don't know, nine or ten, ten inches down in our garden bed just here in front of our house. I pulled it out with the shovel. We set him in there. We all sort of talked about him for a minute. And then when we were done, I just put the dirt right back on him and patted it down. And now she knows that he's right there and he's going to start decaying and being absorbed back into the earth. And that brought some comfort, I think. But we, you know, we got over that. Now, if she starts talking about him, she'll get she'll get teared up and it's a sad thing. We cleaned up his kennel. We put, you know, we threw away the dirty stuff and we put all the supplies in it. We've got it together. I'm going to put it in storage. And when she's ready to say, maybe let's get another one or let's get something else, then we'll talk about it. But we'll, we're going to wait for her to, to, to reach that point. And maybe we'll get something bigger and maybe 
I'll chip in on it so it's not just hers and everybody can enjoy it without her sort of being the master of it like like it was with Frank. The other thing we did is we took some of these photos that she had taken and I had taken and we went to this website where you can make like a pillow and we uploaded the photo and we ordered a pillow. So when it gets here, she'll have this pillow with his pictures on it and it'll say Frank and she'll have that. So, you know, here's kind of a question for that. What What is the good to come from that? Okay, the bad is obvious. What is the good? Well, the good is it's it's an experience and experience brings wisdom, right? They have now, they had they had a little bit of, of touch of death with with grandparents when they were little. My other grandparents had passed. And then more recently, just a couple months ago, with somebody they were much closer to and they were older when they knew her. So she's, you know, a much, uh, a much, uh, a bigger presence in their minds. They had, they dealt with that. And now with this, this small animal, they've dealt with that. This will be a growing experience for them. And that's a good thing. Okay. It's not good that he died, but it's good that they can deal with this and grow from it. Right. So sometimes you'll, you'll say, what are the silver linings of this, this or that? And it's probably good exercise to look for silver linings and then to take advantage of them. So maybe another silver lining is now we can get a bigger pet, maybe a, maybe a uh, gerbil, something that's a little more solitary that all of us, when we're doing our things at our computers, we can set him there on our shoulder and he'll just hang out. But we also will, will also enter that experience knowing that someday that life will also end. And we don't want it to end too soon. With Frank, unfortunately, the best I can make out, it was congenital heart failure. It's very common in hamsters. They're, they're all inbred and they have these problems. Otherwise, he was perfectly healthy. He didn't have any symptoms of, of illness. He was well fed. He was full of energy. Just the day before, he was running around. And then he just... His eyes were closed and he was cold. So that tells me he just, his heart just stopped in his sleep. And that's going to happen or, or something like that will happen to the next one. And eventually it will happen to me and my wife and my kids will have to deal with that. And hopefully by then we have lots of grandkids. <laughs> so bad things happen. No, let me rephrase that. Things happen. Okay, things, they're not good. They're not bad. They're just events. They occur. And then we interpret those and we assign meaning to that. We decide if they're good or they're bad and how we're going to react. We have power there. All right. That's going to do it. This got a little heavy. All right. I'm going to link to this this guy. Um, his name is Anderson Silver. I'll link to his website and, and I guess maybe his books on Amazon so that I can go through my Amazon link. So check that out. All right. That'll do it. Thank you so much for listening and have a better day. Please send your comments or questions to thinkinganddoingpodcast at gmail.com. Will you do me a big favor? Will you rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening from? That really helps. And one more thing, please share the podcast with your friends.